I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. Morning. It's uh, it's fall out there. You know, <laughs> I almost feel like I need to bite my tongue, but, you know, and it's like 50-something degrees, and mm-hmm. the forecast is for evenings dipping into the 40s. It's like, ah! Time to pull out the wool, time to pull out some of the flannel. But, you know, it is a favorite time of year for lots of us, especially if you're in the cattle business. Mm -hmm. Because this is a time of year where you're starting to do some harvesting. After having grazed your cattle for, you know, a year, two or three on your grass. Now, Dave Corbett, uh, you've raised cattle for decades, but right now you're raising beef cattle. What kind are they again? Well, we got some uh, Whiteface, some uh, Herefords, and we've got some Angus. Ah. So, yeah. So when you stand out in the field with them, how high do their backs, their, their hip region, reach you? <laughs> some of them, uh, in fact, we just loaded out a couple here uh, a few weeks ago into a trailer, and uh, they were past my shoulder. Holy macaroni. Yeah. So what does that make it? Close to uh, how 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 many feet or inches is that? Uh, it's too tall. It's too tall. <laughs> too tall. Yes. What I understand is that when you have beef cattle, what you're looking for, at least a, a major geneticist told me this, you're looking for cattle with big, round chests and mm-hmm. bodies and really short feet. Yeah, mine don't fit the bill. In <laughs> fact, they uh, each of them weighed over a ton. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, so there are so many different kinds of cattle breeds. Mine is another type called Bolingo, which is mm-hmm. called, it's a moderate framed, they call it. So it's not that tall. It's about uh, four feet maybe at the hip. Okay. And maybe a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, uh, yeah, about four feet, three and a half, four feet. Um, big barrel chest, that kind of thing, and does well on grass. Well, there are so many amazing cattle breeds all mm. across the U.S. And today we're going to have an opportunity to learn about one of them that to me is quite fascinating in particular, and that's the American Dexter. And we have in studio with, in studio rather, with us the Region 12 Director of the American Dexter Cattle Association, Kevin McEnany. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sylvia. Yeah. So, Kevin... You're here, right here, close by to the studio. Um, So we're in a very temperate region, upper Midwest. What attracted you to the Dexter to start with, and how long have you been raising them? Well, I bought my first Dexter in 2014, and what attracted me to it was we had bought the farm, and we we have a total of 17 acres, and we actually don't even have any room for it to produce our own hay. Mm. So one of the things about the Dexter is that that what you can feed them on on less forage and you don't so then you that also means then that you ha- can have smaller pastures 
Ah. So, you know, so it's very common with, say, an Angus where you might need, a, you know, per animal, an acre, even an acre and a half mm -hmm. of forage area. And with the Dexter, you can be down to a half acre. My goodness. So they're really what they call thrifty. They're very thrifty, and they actually aren't very fussy about what they eat either. Well, that's kind of nice. So they have a good conversion rate, and that's one of the things that when you're raising cattle, you kind of look for either breeds or strains that do a good job of converting what you feed them into the meat that you're going to sell. Correct. Yeah. So describe the Dexter. Um, how big an animal are we talking about so our listeners can begin to build a picture? Okay, well, what's really um, the range for, for Dexters you know, for with, with the cows is 34 to 46 inches for at hip. At the hip. Okay, and then, but the majority of them are really actually about 36 to 42. You know, we have some on the bigger side, some on the smaller side. And then we, um, then on the bulls, they're 36 to 50 range, but most of them are 38 to 44. And oftentimes with a bull, you know, a thousand pounds, half a ton for a bull is a big, is a big bull. All right, it's a okay. big bull for the Dexters. For the, for the Dexters, and most of the females run at maturity about 700 pounds. That is an amazing thing. So is it still considered sort of the smallest uh, kind of heritage breed that's being used? It is the used? smallest heritage breed. These, uh, the Dexter is not bred to be miniature, as you see things like low-line Angus, right. which have now become Aberdeen, or miniature Herefords, those type of things. Um, the the Dexter, which originally originated in Ireland, was it was just over time, over many centuries, really just produced themselves as a smaller animal. Which is so interesting because my understanding, from reading just some of the the stuff that's on the, on the American Dexter uh, website, which is a fantastic informative website, um, that these animals kind of ranged wildly in in years and years past right yeah in ireland when they where they origi originated from they would just roam this the rocky cliffs and everything and so people would just be able to bring those animals in and the thing about the dexter is that they're not just beef they're a, they're actually considered a tri-purpose animal because people do raise them up as oxen for a small oxen but otherwise they're also there's we have quite a few people around the nation who have milk herds and they milk and so um, we have several, quite a few people. So it's been come, become a very good animal for small homesteads because uh -huh. it has both the beef and the milk. And people make cheese from the milk. It's got a, a, at least about a 6% to 7% milk fat. Wow, which that's is up high. There pretty high. Um, so it's, it's been a very considered, a very good animal. They also, in their milk, they do carry the A2A2 pro, pro, milk protein mm. gene, which is um, very beneficial for a lot of people. I've found that to be very beneficial. So it really has a lot of, 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 of possibilities in, 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 on your homestead. So when you take a look at the Dexter, and it is a, a like you said, it's a, it's a more compact animal, a thrifty animal, um, what do you see in the way of color and of, of horn or no horn? Okay, well, so basically with the Dexters, there's three colors. The prominent, that color actually um, in, a, in natural state has been black, but there's also dun and red. And dun is actually a separate color that it's not like 
um, a, you know, a mutation or anything. It is a color. Okay. And so, I, like with my herd, I have pretty much all done. I have one black and I have a couple of reds. Okay. And so, and you can breed those. So a lot of people have breeding programs where they have um, all their animals are just red. Okay. or all done or all black um my herd's very mixed um then is so then they come in those colors and so you can actually breed them towards a color you, we, we do genetic testing on them and so mm -hmm. with dna testing and so we can find out whether they are black carry red and done or they're red only or you know there's different variations on that and then as far as the pulled horn the natural the traditional natural way of for dexters is horned okay um Matter of fact, done uh, when it came to the polled um, through some breeding, there was a, a gentleman um, in that um, his name was uh, Fred Chesterly, and he was out in Washington State. He imported semen from England from three different polled herds, which means no horns, and that's when it was first introduced in the U.S. in 1994. So recently, right? And so, and matter of fact, even with um, because at the time. What you have to recognize is that back 30 years ago, um, 35 years ago, there were only 250, 300 head of Dexter in the whole United States. Well, that and few. So, so we had so when so when those changes came, there weren't that many Dexters. Um, but now we have so on the heritage breeds books. They back then it was they were basically. Um, they were kind of considered a very rare animal. Right. Uh, we have, over, with the American Dexter Cattle Association and over time, we have increased that herd by quite a bit so that now we are a recovering herd within the United States. So it, with the ADCA, the American Dexter Cattle Association, we have 1,700 members nationwide. And so I cover, and I, for me, I cover Region 12, which is Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and both the Dakotas. And um, Wisconsin has the most breeders of the in the in in my region, and Minnesota is second. Um, so, but we have other areas of the country which have quite a few, um, a lot more. So, so the num the, I haven't got a number off my head right now of how many we have in cattle, but I know it's well into the several thousands. Wow! So that's a huge shift from the uh, 1990 when so few yes, dexters were correct. on the book right right and so yeah so then we and that so then um so there's there's quite a few um breeders out there that um have really done things too because one of the things that we have done as a as an association has worked at trying to improve the breed to, you know we have um, different guidelines on what we would like to see happening with the breed to improve things like udder and and composition of the animal and so there's been breeders who are working hard at thinking through what animals they keep and which ones they call in order to improve the quality of the breed got it got it how are the the dexters for their hooves hardness of hoof are they pretty good with that yeah i mean for me i've never I, in the year all the years i've had dexters i've never had an issue with hooves at all great okay i have seen some that are on you know now here up in wisconsin we have quite a bit of rock mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the reasons for us hoof trimming where that we don't really have to think about hoof trimming because they just kind of naturally get trimmed off the rock that we have but i know in other areas of the country where it's real sandy or or you know real loamy type soil that they do have to do hoof trimming on it right. but they don't seem to have much problem with it 
because I think part of it is because the Dexter is kind of a sure-foot animal because of his heritage of being in those, uh, walking in those cliffs and around rock and such when they were, you know, before people started really raising them and breeding them. Right. One of the things that I think I find attractive about a, a heritage breed, especially one that's recovering the way that yours is, is that these animals have never been uh, found to be something that the large industrial farming sector has wanted to mess around with. Right. We do have a few breeders. I, I, I think that the average, the average um, herd um, here in this country is probably, I think most breeders probably have maybe five or ten Dexters. Ah. It's like my, I, right now I'm on ten Dexters with calves and everybody. Um, I've been up to as high as 17, but part of that that I backed off is because of the number of acres that I have sure. to support that. Um, we do have some people out there that do have, you know, you know, 50, 60, even 100, uh, you know, uh, Dexters on mm. their land. So um, we have one breeder near in this area over in Somerset, um, Little Plum C Creek and Cattle Company, and she's running usually 25 or 30 head and she usually drops about mm, 12 to 15 calves a year got it whereas i'll in my for my little thing that i'm doing i'm only dropping you know anywhere from three to six so in thinking about that it's it's uh it's not a breed that you had to kind of recover from an industrial um, genetic manipulation or even a genetic uh, series of breeding selections to get back down to the natural, it's remained, it's in remained its, that way in its um, natural right, state. Because I know that with Angus, Angus, when it first came over in the 1870s, was the Aberdeen from Scotland. And then they, in America, they kept breeding them to make them bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And now, then about 20 years ago, people started trying to work it backwards and right. then they created what they call the low-line Angus, which now that um, group has are back to calling themselves the Aberdeen, which is the original breed that came in. Wow, that's a big that's well, a, it's a big, big job. And then back down again. Oh my. Because they're considerably smaller than the, where we Angus has ended up now. Wow. You know, Dave Corbett, you've raised lots of different kinds of cattle in your years first, uh, you know, two or three decades as a dairy farmer and now in beef when you think about the dexter and what you've heard from kevin what kind of what kind of thoughts come to you well the main thing i'm wondering about because you're dealing with uh, a smaller statured animal and not just statured but all over they're small what does that do to the uh, cuts of meat you get off them the cuts of meat definitely are smaller Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. Um, so, but the, the Dexter also has become, is really a real high quality beef. And so in, um, in, um, in 2019, there was a, um, basically a beef cook-off with several chefs. And, um, and in that te taste testing, it happened in Kansas, Kansas City, I believe, um, that Dexter came out number one. Really, wow. as the number one tasting beef in that, and that we're going up against even Wagyu. Oh, well, wow. that's what I was just going to okay. ask you. So, yeah. what were the competing uh, right kinds so, of, of yeah, cattle? So there is a, um, on our website. There is an, an article written for on that. 
on it. Well, if somebody wants to research that, they can. I don't have it in front of me, but. Um, wow. Right. So it came out as number one in the taste test, blind taste testing. Well, just to, in case you're not familiar with Wagyu, uh, that is um, a kind of beef that's grown originally in Japan that was has been raised and managed so that the intermuscular fat on it is simply amazing. You take a look at a, a Wagyu cut, and it really looks like it's been totally laced with fat. Mm, correct. And that is its attraction. It, it really makes for a very different kind of, of flavor when that beef, which is usually thinly cut, is then made. And to beat against the Wagyu is really something because that has been, you know, for many, many years thought to be the kind of, the, the kind of primary uh, source for high terrific cuts. Yeah, yeah, for high quality. Wow, wow. You know, as we're talking about Dexter, one of the things that came to mind, actually, as I was kind of thinking about this before coming into the this, this studio, is that over the last two to three years, because of the pandemic, because of the pandemic, many people have moved onto small holdings. And they are, and I've talked to them, they're wondering, what do I do now? What do I do with this land? They're, they're uh, consulting with people who know about landscaping and permaculture, and usually they're looking at holdings that are 40 acres and under very easily. So it sounds like this might be the kind of cattle that would be appropriate for that. Yes, and so that's really actually where our biggest growth has come. It's ah. what I would call small homesteaders, people with smaller pieces of property that are really not, they're not trying to look at it as necessarily a, um, you know, being part of the traditional beef industry. Right. They're wanting to raise animals for themselves and their family, to help milk for them, themselves and their family, and selling a little bit to help offset the cost. Mm. Um, but they're not, they're not trying to find a, a way to get into the commercial business that's not where Dexter's have been growing. I mean, we would like to, as an association, we would like to see that happen. But um, I think that, my opinion is anyway, that I think that the animal is of size that I don't think the industry is inter interested in it because they're looking for quantity. Right. It's all about scale. And I don't think that the Dexter it, it, um, can contribute to the scale that they're looking for. Another thing that hits me is that the Dexter may be an animal that um, is good for the novice coming into this. You know, some cattle are a little finicky, some are, have a reputation as being, you know, temperamental or a little difficult to handle. What's your opinion about the Dexter? The Dexters are very, very docile. That's one of the th attractions to them. Um, mo like, how many, b between the two of you, can you walk out to your herd and they'll come up to you, to you so you can hand feed them? Yes. My, um, Mine will come up to me. They'll come up to my wife. <laughs> they won't come up well, to me. Well, she is better looking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I can't argue that. You know, mine will come up to me, but this is not, they're not running up to me. I'll be real honest with you. But right. they'll come up to me. They'll sniff at my hands. They'll lick my hands. Um, but, you know, it's always with a little bit of caution. Right, and mine mm -hmm. will, I mean, we'll get an occasional animal that'll be cautious. Like right now, 
all my girls are come up and they we take alfalfa cubes out to them and you can't feed them fast enough no kidding you put one out in your hand and three of them are trying to get that one cube (laughs) okay whereas Uh the two i have a steer and a bull right now is the only ones that i have on the boy side and they're reluctant to take it from your hand they sure. are a little more cautious. They'll stick their tongue out, like, just put it on my tongue, please. You know? <laughs> but the girls, they, they'll push you around and everything because they oh, want Oh, they'll nuzzle up to you. Yeah, they, uh-huh. they want that, that uh-huh. what you're trying to feed them. And if I go out, like, they're pretty much grass-fed, but I do, we have a large garden, so we do give them all the extra produce. And we even, like, last year we had a pretty bad drought up here, and so we just fed them all our weeds when we weeded the garden. Of course. And they ate everything. Wow. And they would, and when you when you brought the weed bucket out, they wherever they were in the pasture, they came running. Wow. They always come running, and so if they hear, and like I do have, I give them a little bit of a fourteen percent grain. You know, like I have like one five gallon pail that I put in the feed bunk about once every two or three days, mm. not very often, just so they get a little bit of extra protein. And if they hear me even open up the trash can that I have that in, they come running. Sure. They hear metal on metal, and they're they're coming. They d- it is interesting how the our our cattle know the the sounds of our cars. They know the sounds of our tractors. Yes. They can hear us coming, and they know food. Yeah, food. <laughs> so I have a question, Kevin. Yes. Um, you talked about small holdings, and maybe people listening now that have small holdings but don't have a lot of. Uh, background in agriculture what does it take to fence dexters in well in my case what i did is i actually ran electric wire and they're totally wire trained Mm -hmm. um so what i did in mine i have three paddocks but i on the that they're right next to each other and then i um on mine it's about four acres four and a half acres total Mm -hmm. and i ran um, um three wires of electric around the perimeter but dividing those paddocks in mm-hmm. that, then I've only you have to use one wire. Okay. But I just yeah. for me, I did the three wires because I don't want them wandering off. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so why not? Why make it easy for them to figure out how to do it? Now I've heard situations where, you know, people have bought animals and they don't really have their fence up, and it's just like with any cow. They're, they're going to go that perimeter, and they're going to see if there's a way out. They test the lines. They test yeah. the line. And once they've tested the line and they got it in their head, they don't question it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go through. Right. They go through. So. Now, Dexter's have horns. Has that ever posed a problem for you? No. I have two animal. I, all my, my whole herd is a horned breed, is the horns, and I do burn horns off on everybody so everybody everybody except my first two mm. i have removed the horns but th- the two original ones which are now they're 10 years old now and they've never been an issue they will swing their horns around when they want to don't want to be bothered sure but you know you're just cautious they don't try to you know hurt you they just want right. to make sure in that but they it's interesting in watching the ones with the horns because they're they really make it they, it's a tool to them Mm-hmm. And so when you put out that round bale of hay, they're in there with their horns to rip that bale apart so they can get to the better stuff. Sure. And that. So, I mean, I found it really has never been a problem for me at all right. with, with the horns. And so um, it's just never been a problem. Now, and then my other ones, you know, they're as, you know, they're dehorned and they, they don't have the same kind of... Um, they don't seem to use their heads the same way because they mm-hmm. don't have the tool. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting about, about animal behavior. Uh, Dave Corbett, do, do any of yours have horns? No. Uh -huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. See, the with, with mine, the Balingos, you get a 10% horn mm -hmm. on okay. them because they're based on the Dutch Belted, which was a horned breed. So, and, but I think that they were bred over the last few few decades for being pulled. Right. And so with the Dexter, we... That's one of the genetic tests we can do is whether they're horned or pulled and whether they're and so we we know whether they have a pulled gene or not and so people make a point that, that when for instance when they're looking for a bull they'll specify they want a pulled bull okay or their herd and so and so there are people who still want to get horned bulls um it's it, it varies everybody's got their own opinion on that whole topic and you know and it's 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 serves for us uh, the association just fine you know i mean whether you do or not if you you know and then there's the whole idea whether they're um a hetero or homo pulled and so the hetero would allow that they would be able to more that you would have a um the pulled gene the homo pole means then that if you're breeding them to a horned animal that you have a 50 50 chance of it being a horned animal uh. versus the hetero if you are breeding it to a horned animal you reduce that percentage by quite a bit interesting wow that's gotten very specific so it's gotten very specific on all the different testing that we can do and and understanding how the breeding works so with uh, uh breeding uh is can you breed is there semen available to breed them artificially or yes there is so the first in 1968 was the first year um that um i that uh, that a semen that semen was pulled from a bull and so now there's about 50 breeders out there that do offer okay semen around the nation mm. so in my herd um i started out actually doing um artificial insemination mm -hmm. for for about the first three or four years and then i ended up with a bull for a couple of years and i must say that with a bull it's a little bit easier because right. you just turn them out and you yep. wait but the nice thing about the AI side of it, because then I went back to AI, and then I was able to select a bull. Got it. And I could find mm -hmm. the, the the characteristics I was looking for for my to produce my herd. Mm -hmm. And then what happened now? Right now, I am using a bull because in my AI program, I produced a bull that is really nice that I mm -hmm. really like, and he's super docile, and he certainly does the job, and he's very you know he's just easy going. And he's a really nice-looking fellow. So I just, so I now I've been back to a bull. Ah, hmm. But I have no problem with AI. I mean, I think that AI can work well. I think the key for people out there is that if you're going to do AI, if you want to learn how to do it yourself, it's not totally difficult to do it yourself. You know, there's just there's definitely a learning curve to it, mm -hmm. and getting a technique down that works well for you. But what I would say that the one thing I found is that you want to find a good AI tech. Mm -hmm. that knows what they're doing i've had some good ones and i've had some that you know they're pretty they were pretty green at it and uh. and then the other thing is that if these ai techs are used to especially up here in wisconsin where we're dealing with a lot of large uh dairy herds and those large holsteins and they're doing those they're used to to being able to to breed that big of a breed and when they come to a dexter they're going whoa that's small that's hard to hit that's a small cervix i don't know if i can hit that i never thought of that right it's really a different yeah. world uh. and then like a friend of mine who's got he said he does his own ai work and he's got um 
um, a dairy herd, and he tried to do it. He's going, my hand's too big. I can't do it. Mm. You know? uh. So there is kind of a niche to, to being able mm. to do AI, and the key is finding a good AI tech. Uh. Well, if someone is looking to uh, <clears throat> excuse me, investigate about Dexters and wants to know are there animals that are available for sale, where would they go? Well, on, for as far it's very common for in in the Dexter world that um, people, especially if they've been having a creating and establishing a good herd, that they'll buy animals all over the U.S. And mm. so we do have a a sell page on our website. Go to dextercattle.org is the site is the site for the ADCA, and there is a sell page there mm -hmm. where people the animals so people can see how much what what we what's out there around the nation. Also. Um, there's um there is a regional um region 12 facebook page ah. and people will put their animals up there to let people know that they have animals um so that's a good way and otherwise it really just becomes kind of word of a mouth um you know you find out breeders we do have on the adc w website also um a directory of breeders and okay. there's also a members map there that anybody can look at and you can find um, breeders that are with that are within a short distance from where you live there's a map and then you just click on a little circle and it tells you what the name of and phone numbers and everything so you can call people they find out that there's who's around in your area that have dexters and once you've talked to one person they may say well i don't have any animals but you can call so and so right and then it gets spread around because we all help each other in in you know basically preaching the gospel of De dexter <laughs> got it <laughs> right got it so um, so it works really well. So then another thing, too, that could work well, too, is that I'll be hosting here in the Amory area my, um, my regional meeting in two weeks. So if anybody's interested in coming and meeting some Dexter breeders, they could give me a call at my, on my own phone. I'll give you the number. It's 715-607-0685, Kevin McEnany, and I'm the regional director. And so and we can chat and see how much interested you are and I would tell you how I could find my farm and we're going to be doing it two weeks from today and if you're interested in learning more and meeting some breeders you're welcome to come okay so that's on what's the date uh, that would be uh, September 24th all right September 24th running from what time of day to what time from of day 10 a.m. till 2 so all we're right. having a meeting we're gonna have some educational stuff there with people talking about some, you know, because we have quite a few people coming that are new to Dexter's. They don't right. really know a lot ab about and all the ins and outs of raising cattle. And so there'll be stuff about that. But we'll also be talking about ADCA stuff, you know, and kind of a business meeting aspect. But you'll get the chance to meet some breeders from, from the region um, that, you know, you could be able to g find out more information and what's out there for Dexter's. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.